With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, welcome in. Stinkin' Truth Podcast alongside Mike Evans. I am Mark Schlereth, Millennial Bim, producing the show. want to thank our presenting sponsor, great folks over at uh, Bet Rivers. Bet with a winner, bet with Bet Rivers. Check them out. Download the app. Uh, check them out at BetRivers.com. Also, stinking good green chili, guys, for all your green chili needs. Smother your eggs, your burritos, your tacos. Also have the great queso dip, stinkinggood.com. That's stinkinggood.com. Mike, how are you, buddy? Hey, I just I just need to ask right off the bat, uh, are you are you good with the, the job I do here with this podcast, or do, you, do we need to write in a clause in my contract that I need to put in extra study time. Well, I was uh I was about to uh bring this topic up uh that uh we're not uh we at uh, the Stinking Truth podcast are not really happy with your level of preparation and your uh, you know your propensity to go home and just play video games all day long. So, we're going to need an extra 26 minutes of preparation Ooh. time over the course of a Ooh. week. Uh, that means you're going to have to roughly give me four minutes a day. Um, I don't even know if I'll get that math right. but It's yeah, close, close enough, right? Math. Watch out, yeah. math. How about, yeah, here I come. <laughs> rolling down the tracks. Uh, gosh, can you believe that? I mean, can you believe that? I have never. 12 years of playing in the National Football League. 20, what, two years of covering the National Football League. So we're talking... Almost 35 years involved in this game. I have never, ever seen that in any contract. I've never seen anything like that in any contract. Now, obviously, today (laughs) it was uh, revoked, right? So that's the news today. Like, we've taken it out of the contract. Obviously, it was uh, misrepresented and misinterpreted by the, the dastardly members of the media. Like, how do you misinterpret that? Like, seriously, seriously. Like, how in the world could you put a clause like that in, that study clause, where you can revoke some of the salary and the guaranteed money if you don't get extra time studying away from the facility? How in the world could that be misrepresented or misinterpreted or miss anything? How? What? What's the biggest, are you kidding Part of this, the fact that Arizona put it in in the first place to Kyler Murray's contract, or that Kyler Murray signed the contract with the clause in it. What's the more? Are you crazy? Are you? Are, are you? Why'd you do it? Right. Are who, you? Who? The Cardinals or Murray? So obviously, obviously, if you look at the situation for what it is, the Cardinals have had an issue. They have felt like his preparation isn't what it needs to be. I mean, that's obvious. And let, let's let's face it, that owner, that general manager were there when Bruce Arians was there and they were going to the playoffs with, uh, with Carson Palmer as their quarterback. So they know what it's supposed to look like. Would you agree? They know what it's supposed to look like, and obviously it didn't look like that. In their their mind, their perspective, it didn't look like that. So they put this clause in, and guess what? 
Apparently, the agent and the player didn't have a problem with that clause. Yeah, we'll sign it. It's all good. So, if you had a problem with it, if you looked at it and said, hey, this is inappropriate, my guy works his butt off, my guy is prepared, my guy, like, you would address it before you have actually signed it. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's just fact of the matter. It's just the way it would be. So the fact that, that they were like okay with it, and then obviously there's somebody within the organization that basically said, I'm tired of, of Kyler Murray. I don't like Kyler Murray. For whatever reason, whether it's true or not, perception or, or reality, somebody let that out. Let that contract out, that language out. Like, everybody gets the parameters of the deal, right? The agents release the parameters of the deal because the agents like to pat themselves on the back. I got him more guaranteed money. I got him more this. I got him more that. They like to pat themselves on the back. And um, and that, the numbers got out. I don't know if Arizona wasn't happy with the numbers getting out. So then they put out the, you know, that somebody within, the, it has to be somebody within the organization put out the clause. But for Kyler Murray, and I'll, I'll paraphrase, for him to come out and say, you know, the fact that you guys in the media are questioning my work ethic, the fact that you uh, bring my work ethic into question is, you know, reprehensible. I won't allow that to happen. No, 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 no. Wait, 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 pump your brain. You allowed it to happen by signing the freaking contract. Your work ethic came into question because you signed the deal. You allowed that language in there. Your agent allowed that language in there. Your agent and you allowed people to question your work ethic based upon the contract that you signed. So that's like, don't like they not point the finger at the media. And, you know, and, and then the way you dealt with it, you came out, you addressed it, and then said, I'm not taking any questions on it. Like, I, you know, the whole thing has Damage been. Damage is done, though, right? Oh, it's been a, a uh, unmitigated disaster at this point, right? How does he. How's he live this down? Now you got to go out and and you got to play great and whatever questions there are within that organization, what whatever questions there are, you got to silence your critics. Because anytime and, he has a bad game, all right, throws a bad pick, sure, doesn't recognize coverage and makes a bad read, it's just going to be open season. Mm-hmm. How much did you study this week? All right. How much oh. prep did you put in? How much prep away you've, from you've the facility? Do, you've done sure. Cardinals games. You've been around quarterbacks that just eat, sleep, drink football. That sure. are just it's 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 nonstop. How would you characterize your dealings with Kyler Murray? What's, no, your, what's your takeaway? My my, I mean, he's a smart kid. He's uh, he's an energetic kid. He's always you know he like I've done some I've done some off the fields event with Kyler, so I've developed a little bit of a rapport with him. You know, I I don't come in. When I do one of these, when I do one of these kind of questions and answers things with him, I'm not trying to get you in a gotcha moment, right? I'm not, I'm not, hey, I'm not here to break news, and I let him know right off the bat. I'm trying to break news. I just want to have fun. I just want to doink around, have a good time. And so we've developed a rapport over the last couple of years. I did his first NFL game. His first NFL game, I believe it was. I, I believe I did the first one. His first regular season NFL game was Arizona at Detroit. Or, I mean, excuse me, Detroit at Arizona. I think it was. I, I'm pretty sure it was week one of of the season. In what year was he drafted? 2019. So I think it ended in an overtime tie. Anyhow, 
I think it was the I think it was week one. Any one of the one if not, it was one of the first games he's ever his ever first played. game. Maybe it was a yeah, second I'm game. Yeah, I'm just looking at it real quick. His first game in uh, 2019, his rookie year. Yeah, it was against uh, Detroit. In a, in a, in a 27-27 tie. tie. Yeah. And so I, I, I called that game. And, like, we've had like we've had great dealings with one another. So, like, But does I, he strike you as somebody that is obsessed with football and all the, or obsessed with be doing what it takes to be a, a a top NFL quarterback compared to some of the other guys you you have dealt with. Again, I'm not I'm not there on a day to day basis. So yeah, in the meetings and stuff, did he does he articulate the game well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but again, I don't know what he's doing when he leaves the facility. I don't right. know. You know, I I don't know. You know, there is that perspective of first guy. You know, there's some guys that are first in the facility, last out of the facility, and they're still not getting anything done. Right. So. You can't you can't always judge it on on stuff like that, um, but then when you start looking at the film and you start kind of thinking about it, one of the criticisms I had for him for the last five years or the last three years, Mike is, has always been, you know my philosophy. Hey man, this is a seventy thirty league. Seventy percent of the time, you better be on schedule. Thirty percent when things break down, then you got to make a play. Well, their offense operates on a fifty fifty, and yeah, all of a sudden you tweak an ankle and you don't have quite the mobility you did, you know, when in your first seven, eight games when you were considered the front runner for the uh, MVP award and now DeAndre Hopkins gets hurt and you don't have that guy that can just go up and high point a ball with his giant hands and, you know, and, and take it away from a defender. Now all of a sudden you're 50-50 and, and you're, making, you're making more mistakes than you're making plays. And you get into November and December and yeah, and the weather turns bad and you're on the road and like that's when you better be on schedule. So, you know, I look at those things, those things are the things that have to improve and, and that makes you you makes you go back in your own recesses of your mind and on all the work you've done and all the preparation you've done, and you say, Well, maybe that is because he didn't see. Maybe that's because he's you know, he 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 isn't. Um, and, and part of that also, Mike, is is the offense they've run. There, you know, I mean, with Cliff Kingsbury, he's learning, you know, how to morph what he does as an offense in that um, what do they call that the the air raid system, and how to morph that into the NFL with the different hashes and the way the game is played. So, like all those things come into play. But yeah, it's a. I mean, it's just a, there's no way of. There's no two ways about it. It's just a really bad look, both for the Cardinals and for for Kyler Murray. Well, whatever embarrassment or anger that he might be feeling, it can certainly be um, offset and soothed by the amount of money he's making. He got his money, he got his contract. Right. Meanwhile, Lamar Jackson continues to wait. Is this thing going to get resolved? You know, I've had this. I've had these conversations too because you know, um, general managers are taking. You know, or defense coordinators have taken some you know, some veiled shots at him because they won't put their names on it, right? And The anonymous GM, right, the I anonymous one defensive coordinator. NFC defense coordinator said he could win 12 MVPs. He'll never, you know, be a number one quarterback. And listen, I don't find it. I don't find those things. Um, I don't find them off base. They are one of one offense that that runs the style of offense with which they run, and you know, I mean, follow the money trail. 
Like, here's a guy that's in his fifth-year option who has won an MVP that is taking you to the playoffs. Not one, He's 1-3 one in the playoffs. He's taking you to the playoffs multiple times. Why are you not paying him? And there's only, there is only, Mike, one, there's only one explanation. Because you have doubts. That's it. And, and listen, Lamar is a, he's got football acumen. He's a smart kid. He is a great leader. The, the players love him. Like, all those things are 100% true of Lamar. There's no question. But again, what do we know wins in this league? What do we what do we know wins championships in this league? What do we have last year in the Super Bowl? Joe Burrow drop back versus Matt Stafford drop back. How many uh, what Tom Brady's been there ten times, he's won seven Super Bowls. He ain't scrambling around. Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, you go go to the quarterbacks who consistently get you to championship. Nick Foles, for crying out loud. I mean, just go through it. Go through it. Bottom line is this. And until that guy progresses and he can beat you consistently from the pocket without having to run that offense, there are going to be question marks. And running that offense in which your quarterback is required to run the football and do all the things that they do out of that offense, um, there will always be a question, is this sustainable? Can we sustain this? Because what what has been proven out come critical moments or playoff times, when you've got a one, when you've got, when you don't have the lead, when because when the Baltimore Ravens play with a the lead, they're, they're unstoppable, unstoppable. But when they're behind and all of a sudden they have to rely on Lamar in the passing game, being precise with route combinations and timing of the football and, and hey, man, I'm, I've got to dump it into zones. I've got to get over the top of the underneath defenders and, and in between you know those layered throws that are in between the deep defenders and, and over the top of the shallow defenders. Like, those things he struggles with. I mean, it's one thing, you know, when he puts up a big passing game and you're in, you're always in a cover, like you're always in an eight-man front, which means you can only play one coverage, which is man or two coverages, man or, or cover three. And cover three, if you run in vertical routes, if you're running seams, you know, it, it's basically man coverage on the outside. So it's the same thing. Like there's a difference. Like if you get that, like – yeah, you're going to get a one-on-one or you're going to get a shallow cross with somebody in trail covering that, you know, shallow cross and you're like, "Hup, dip." It's like it's easy. Mm-hmm. It's it's it 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 gives you a clearer picture. You can pick out one dude and say that's the guy I'm going to and, you know, and if that guy wins, it's it's going to be wide open. So I I just like there's a reason that Baltimore has shuffled their feet because in my mind they have questions. Yeah, cuz this is a league where you see these teams that if they're lucky enough to find their guy, they don't wait to pay him. I mean, already Cincinnati's like, yeah, we want to get something done with Joe Burrow sooner oh. rather than later, and you, you don't hesitate. Right. So the fact that – Patrick Mahomes. Right, I mean, Josh Allen. So the fact that right. Arizona for a while there and and now Baltimore is, is dragging their feet, my, I mean, that's a tell. That is a tell that they just have doubts about the – 
long-term viability sure. of, of these guys. Now, speaking of uh, the, the, the open season with the unnamed sources, we had the uh, defensive play caller who came out to the athletic talking about Patrick Mahomes and saying that, you know, I love the kid, but if you force him off his first read, he becomes kind of a street ball type quarterback, and he's not really the kind of guy that's just going to beat you and own you from the pocket. Yeah, that's, you buy that? Because the numbers don't bear it out. Just go back in last year's playoff run for Kansas City, and and he was against, uh, I think, Pittsburgh in the first game and Buffalo the second game, completed over 70% of his passes. The, but just the film doesn't, from the day he walked in and became the starter, manipulating safeties, going through progressions, getting to the second and third read. Like, for the film, what the film shows you versus what that coordinator said, I think that's wishful thinking. I think the coordinator goes, Speak yeah, it into existence type Yeah, thing? right. Like, <laughs> hey, man, you take away that first read. Okay, so let me just say this. You take away that first raid and and you make that guy, you know, you, you take away the first read and, and and you pressure him so he's got so things break down so he can't get to the second read. You know, what you have to understand and go back to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago where they lost to Tampa. I mean, Tampa Bay Buccaneers basically begged you to cram it down their throat. They were playing a too high safety look with the backers just flying out in their hook zones at 14 yards deep going, go ahead, try to throw it underneath. We're going to rally up and make a tackle. Or go ahead, run the ball. What they have, nine carries, average seven yards plus a carry or something something ridiculous, and they only carry, and they only ran it nine times. Meanwhile, Patrick Mahomes is running around with two backup tackles, uh, you know, fearing for his life. I, you know, like some of it to me is – the way that Andy Reid wants to win. He wants to wait. Like, I always thought, and I love Andy, but I think he wants to win the way he wants to win. Like, he wants to throw the ball. He wants to create all, you know, he, he just wants to be very innovative in the in the passing game. And so when things break down, um, but for crying out loud, when, when Patrick Mahomes plays street balls, is there anybody who plays better street ball than Patrick Mahomes? Like, all the highlight throws and all the great things he does – the guy is a phenomenal player and a phenomenal quarterback, and um, and he has no problem getting off the first to the second to the third. Like that, that's not that has never been an issue, and you can back that up on film. And I've talked to guys around that really study the quarterback, like Dan Orzlovsky. He'll tell you the same thing. Like th- there's nothing wrong with Patrick Mahomes' game. It was funny when I saw that quote. I was like. Uh, you know, part of me is like, you know, here in Denver, we you, you deal with right. the Chiefs and the, the Broncos have lost to them like, you know, 80, 80 times in a row. And um, there's that idea that, well, okay, but is that is that really the way that people feel out there? And maybe yeah. there's some hope. Maybe he's not the boogeyman. Right. Until you stop and right. think about it and have conversations like these and you and you start to realize, nah, he really is still the boogeyman. By the way, that isn't really yeah. a weakness. You in know what? His game. You know what? That coordinator. I think it was an NFC coordinator. They're probably not. They can't see. He's probably not on the schedule this year. You know, so he's got his chest puffed out. He's got some bravado going on. It was like when uh, when I played and Shannon Sharp would pick a, a fight with a guy I was playing against. And he'd be like, "Hey, you know, ass clown. Um, you know, I I'm the one that's got to I'm the one that's got to put out the fire. Yeah, I got to block right. this guy. Right, I'm the one that's got to block this guy. So. Maybe calm down a minute. So, 
we're into the early stages of training camp, and this is now, it's an annual debate about the way the teams conduct camp. And for a lot of us as fans, maybe you guys as, as former players, you get those uh, get-off-the-lawn moments. You're like, well, back in my day, we actually practiced football. It's not the powder puff thing that it has become today. Training camp is so soft. But right away, we've already seen another example of why you can understand why teams are so petrified of doing too much in camp because of the risk of injury. Ryan Jensen, the mm. outstanding center for Tampa, is out multiple months uh, with a knee injury. They suffered at practice on uh, Thursday. So, first of all, what does that mean for Tampa? You know, it's funny. We talk about injuries all the time. And we tend to focus on, uh, uh, you know, the skill position guys that uh, get hurt. Well, I say I'd love saying yeah, that. I'm so upset. It, it you hate drives it when me I crazy. Talk about but the skill position. But this, this is how significant of an injury is this for Tampa and Tom Brady? Well, it's huge. One, Jensen sets a tone. Jensen is <laughs> he's not the best looking athlete, not the best athlete, not the best body. Uh, he is one of the nastiest beyond the, the echo of the whistle, set a tone physically um, and mentally, just mental domination of his opponents because they, like, this dude is just unrelenting. Um, he's a he's a butthole. I mean, this guy is just, the, the way he plays, man, that dude is is special. And then you you couple that with the fact that Alex Kappa signed as a free agent to Cincinnati, their guard, their starting guard from last year. Ali Marpet, their other starting guard from last year, retired. And now you're gonna have to go with another unproven center with two other guards. That inside communication, especially with a guy like Tom Brady, who is gonna that's where he's gonna be. He's going to be inside, and you know, and he's going to be there behind that behind that front three. Man, you got to be solid, because one thing we know quarterbacks hate. And go back to the Giants beating the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl twice. Inside pressure, pressure around his legs, pressure in his face. Tom Brady becomes he's not human, but he becomes less of a superhero. <laughs> That's right. He's less of a god. Yeah, he's still not human. But he goes from Zeus status maybe down to Mercury. And what the hell's Mercury anyhow, right? <laughs> I mean, who who's Mercury? Nobody nobody really knows what his special gifts are. Right. I think he ran fast I think or something. So. I think you're right, yeah. Right. So he goes and that's not, you know, that's not Tom either. So then right. he you know what? He be, he goes from one of the really good guys to Aquaman. You'll make right. right. You'll make a you'll make a superhero movie just because they're popular. Right. You you feel like you'll get a couple of idiots to go see it, right. but nobody really nobody really goes. Who's your if you ask anybody who's your favorite superhero? Not one person is going to go Aquaman. Right. Like if I have a chance to go tour the Hall of Justice, right, and they're all in there. Who am I most excited to meet? Superman. Yeah, of course. Aquaman is like. Down near the end of the list of people I want to meet. You might want to go, you might want to meet the Wonder Twins before you go exactly. to Aquaman. Exactly. Right. Hey, exactly. guys. Exactly. Where's your little monkey? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> where's Gleek? Yeah, where's Gleek? 
hey, can you guys turn into eagles or something? Like, I'd like to see it. Yeah, a bucket of water. Yeah, what, what is it? Yeah. Form of. Right. Shape of. Exactly. That's old so, school. That's old yeah, school, right? That there. is old school. That's but old the school, bottom but line yeah, is nobody, the point. nobody is going, yeah, Aquaman's my favorite superhero. Right. Never seen him. He's always in the ocean. You know, I like, no, nobody, nobody, you know, like nobody really likes that. So he, uh, he'll go, he'll become, again, he'll become not human, but he'll become yeah. a super, you know, what, what is a it about the relationship not, with the quarterbacks and their centers that it, it, they're really it's 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 an unbelievable bond. Uh, uh, Peyton Manning with Jeff Saturday, um, John Elway because he's your guy, your he, teammate like, Tom Nalen. And like, uh, I was with Ryan Jensen a couple of weeks ago um, at the uh, you know at the uh, O line mastermind thing, yeah. right? And uh, so we're just chopping it up and we're having a good time. And uh, he's a good dude, man. I really like him. He's a Colorado guy. Yeah. And so. Anyhow, a matter of fact, I reached out to him yesterday and, and uh, you know, just talking to, talked to him about his knee injury and, and, you know, if I could do anything type of thing. So um, I'm a, you know, a big fan of, um, big fan of Ryan. And so anyhow, I'm sorry, my watch is going That's off. That's okay. And, That's all right. Um, but anyhow, you know. Like he said, hey man, I'm not even that. I was asking about his swamp ass, you know, because he's always got those towels. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, he goes, honestly, I'm not even much of a sweater, but he goes, that's how Tom does. He goes, hey, I'm going to show you that you got to do this. And he goes, now it's become like a security blanket for me. I just don't, I feel naked without something in my, you know, in the crotch of my pants. Right. <laughs> and so we we're laughing about that. And then he was like, you know, I'm redirecting protections and I'm doing this, that, and the other, and blah, 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 blah. And and he goes, there are times where I'm redirecting a protection. Tom goes, in, in like in the middle of a game, go, don't worry about it. The ball's gonna be gone before you can even get there. <laughs> like I know, like I like I already know the answer to the test. He goes, Yeah, you don't even have to worry about that. I'm gonna get the ball out. And and so it's like, you know, just playing, yeah, playing with um the man, so to speak. So anyhow, pretty cool stuff. Well, pretty we'll cool see stuff. how uh, Tampa adjusts without Ryan Jensen. Just a couple of quick news and notes. DK Metcalf gets paid, mm-hmm. and I'm glad for DK Metcalf that he got paid based on his production with Russell Wilson because something tells me it's not going to be the same with Geno Smith or Drew Locke. Right. Glad you got your money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, No. exactly. And you know what? DK's a great kid. Um, he's a, he's a great young man. He's got history here. His dad played for the Bears. His dad played in the league for quite some time. Um, and he's a, he's just a phenomenal, he's a specimen, man, just an absolute specimen. And, and, you know, he's really developed as a second rounder. He's come in and really developed his game, really become very good. Um, some of the things he worked on, you know, with Brian Schottenheimer, really getting in and out of breaks, really playing with lower leverage. Um, and you know, one of the things that, uh, I talked to Brian about it and, and, and several different players over the years is it's not about your ability to run fast, it's ability to stop fast and working to really stop fast at that position. Um, and then using it, using his body, you know, he is six foot four, two thirty five, And he is a, I mean, the dude is incredible. Yeah, absolutely incredible. So he is, he's. He's awesome, man. He is. He's awesome. So I'm glad for him. But you're right. You know, I mean, all of a sudden you don't have Russell Wilson anymore. Um, things this, have changed. This is this is going to test. A couple of things are going to test the whole. You know, do receivers play a dependent position? How much do they rely upon the quarterback? We're going to see it with 
first of all, we're going to see it with Tyreek Hill going from Patrick Mahomes to Tua. Yeah. We're going to see it from DK Metcalf going from Russell Wilson to probably Geno Smith. And I guess maybe even to a lesser extent, Devontae Adams going from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr. Got to test it, some theories it, here. I've gotten a lot of people that are like, you know, on the Lamar. Like, we talked about Lamar Jackson. And a lot of people give me the, uh, well, you know, he's never had a, a truly had a number one receiver. Well, you know, there's – and maybe this is working with you all these years. It's been like, <laughs> um, yeah, are you really a number one receiver until you have a number one quarterback? Like, it's the quarterback that makes the receivers, not the receivers making the quarterbacks, I'd right? Say 90% of the time, yeah. Right. And so, yeah, it's it's nice to have a guy that's really skilled and, and that's great because – you know, that guy can get wide open and, and really take some pressure off of your quarterback. But let's face it, your quarterback still has to be able to execute. And like I say all the time, 10 guys have to do their jobs exceptionally well for the quarterback to make a throw. So just just kind of understand that aspect of uh, of football in general. So anyhow, listen, man, always – oh, hey, man, this is fun. This is great. Love it. Uh, for everybody involved in the Stink Truth Podcast, we thank you so much. Thank you to uh, Millennium Ben producing the show. Mike, thank you. Uh, also, thanks to our presenting sponsors, the great folks over at Bet Rivers. Bet with a winner. Bet with Bet Rivers. Uh, stinking good green chili as well. All right, that uh, pretty much does it. That's a wrap for us here on the Stinking Truth Podcast. We uh, thank you for listening and uh, look forward to talking to you next week.